Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Eruk the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Are you struggling to find a PlayStation 5 or dismayed at a month-long waiting list for an iPhone 13 Pro? Or maybe your car dealer has told you that you can't change to a new model until next year because of a lack of supply. All of these shortages have one thing in common a supply chain crisis in computer chips. Nintendo is the latest tech company to be hit by a global shortage of semiconductors. A report in Japan's Nikkei newspaper on Tuesday said the firm would make 20% fewer Switch consoles than planned over the year to March 31st. But in this high-tech world, how can this be happening? What's behind it? And will it get better anytime soon? The global chip shortage may have taken another corporate casualty. Apple is expected to cut down production of its iPhone 13 by as much as 10 million units due to supply issues. I'm Adrian Weckler and this is the Big Tech Show podcast. And to answer these questions today, I'm joined by Siobhan McGuire, consumer journalist and presenter of the Indo Daily podcast, and motoring journalist Geraldine Herbert. Siobhan, Geraldine, you're both very welcome to the show. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Adrian. Siobhan, can I start with you? Um, What is this affecting? Uh, Well... Pretty much lots of things you wouldn't think of, actually, Adrian. So um, we're, we're aware of kind of the games consoles uh, that are being affected uh, from the likes of the Nintendo Switch to the PlayStation 5. But it goes way beyond this because um, the, these um, chips, these semiconductors, they're Absolutely everywhere. So this is in your toasters, in your washing machines, um, uh, right across uh, the board to your car. So you kind of have to think about it the way you would think of putting fuel into something. This is what the chip is doing in all of these products. They're they're basically making these products no brainers for us by doing all the hard work. Um, so they are they have become an essential part of technology, basically. And just on that theme, do you think that there are things, products that at this point in mid-November are already looking like they might be ungettable for Christmas. Absolutely. And uh, th- this isn't just a, a Christmas issue. Um, this has been a year-long issue. So uh, so these shortages, uh, the likes of games consoles in short supply, Adrian, were first um, uh, flouted back in January of this year because we well, would the, have the, had- the PlayStation 5 has been a disaster almost since it was launched. And yeah. this year, it has been the holy grail. Forget about your, you know, your Bitcoin and your Ether. The absolute, you know, prime property commodity you could have as a PlayStation Five. 
And, you know, and the, and there's two parts to that. I mean, obviously, the, sh- the shortage in terms of trying to get the product to, say, uh, countries over here in mainland Europe, but also the fact that there there is always traditionally these huge waiting lists for the product. And then you, you're always going to disappoint people. But just coming back to your question in terms of the, the Christmas supply. So the consoles mm. are another, you know, they're, they're always it's always kind of a hardy annual in terms of, of of um, will you get your games console for Christmas. But this year, it's really, really bad. I mean, we saw queues just a couple of weeks ago outside stores in Dublin where people were queuing up for the for the PlayStation 5 and simply not getting it. And we had we saw in one instance huge long queues. There were only 40 consoles in store. Um, so yes, we can expect people to be uh, quite disappointed this year, I think. Okay, the million dollar question, Javon. Why is this happening? Why is there a shortage of all of these chips? So we have an absolute perfect storm, Adrian. We have um, in the form of Brexit, uh, the pandemic and the MV ever given. So basically all That was of the big tanker, isn't that it? That ran absolutely, aground? Absolutely. Yeah, with 40,000 yeah. containers on it. And it happened in March of this year. Um, it was only stuck for six days. Um, and actually what it, what it did was hold up the supply chain for a good 10 weeks. So mm. we're still feeling the effects of that. Now, when you think about the chips themselves, uh, most of these um, are produced in in Asia. And the fourth biggest port in China, uh, Yantan, I mean, it was closed. It provides 90% of these chips. So it was closed for quite a while because of COVID, only recently reopened again. Massive delays there. All of these things have a huge knock-on effect in terms of in, ter- in terms of supply uh, to mm. mainland Europe to us, um, and that's essentially what happens. And the, and mm. and on top of that, there's a demand issue, the supply issue, and the fact that uh, these factories simply cannot produce these the way they used to. Mm. Geraldine, coming to you, I mean, I'm looking at month-long delays for an iPhone 13 Pro, specifically because of this issue. We've talked about the PlayStation 5 and games consoles, but the tech industry and the gadget industry isn't the only one to be impacted by the chip shortage, is it? No, the um, the, the car industry is particularly bad. And I read somewhere the other day that they reckon there's going to be a loss of $210 billion to automakers across, the, you know, globally because of this, which is eye-watering amounts. With or without the Chips Act, we think we still have some rough road in front of us. And I've said, you know, we believe the chip shortage is at its worst right now. It will get incrementally better as we go through 22, but we expect the shortage to persist into 23. It just takes that long to build capacity. So essentially what we have is we have cars that have become computer on wheels. And depending on which car you're looking at, they can have anything between, I say, 500 to 1500 chips. So they cannot come off the production line without these. Wow. Wow. What do cars need chips for exactly? You say 500 to 1500. I mean, we can all get our heads around the concept of an entertainment console or a dashboard, but it must be more than that. Yeah. So, uh, of course, it's the stuff you would think of, like the infotainment systems, the telematics. But then there's a whole heap of other stuff, like all the driver assistance systems, like your cruise control, your adaptive cruise control, down to your blind spot detection. These are all vital things. I heard um, in the States, GM are actually sending 
cars out with the, without the stop and start. So, you know, when you get to the traffic lights and your car automatically cuts out and that's in, that's to um, to ensure that, you you know, you save fuel. So they're actually sending out cars that are much less fuel efficient than they would have this time last year with those chips. So it's it's having a huge impact on everything from safety to fuel efficiency to just generally moving the car from A to B. Incredible. It seems to be having an effect on rental cars as well. My own two cents on this is a few weeks ago, I was in Kansas, tried to rent a car for four days. The cheapest I could get one was for $900 for four days. Now, I've never paid anything close to that for a rental car in the US. A guy at the uh, the the rental depot told me the reason was, a big reason was the chip shortage, that they had sold off a bunch of their cars, partly during COVID, but also they couldn't get new stock and they had sold off the old stock and therefore the price to rent one of their average cars was now through the roof. Volkswagen says the global chip shortage is now at its worst point. That is according to Germany's Handelsblatt. A board member told the paper the company was facing the toughest six weeks. And exactly the same thing is happening in the used car market. For the first time ever, Adrian, the car you have sitting outside in your driveway could actually be appreciating in value rather than falling like we normally expect. So that's the knock-on effect there. The other thing that we see with car companies is they're putting preference and they're prioritizing the high-profit vehicles. So if Mm. you're waiting for a 2022 expensive car, you're more likely to get it than if you're waiting for the lower sort of budget models. So we will see that having a big impact in the first half of next year. Do you think we're going to see that in terms of the number of registrations for ordinary middle of the road cars in January? Maybe your middle of the range Hyundai's or Ford's compared to your Mercedes's or your Tesla's? Yeah, I definitely think we're going to see an impact on the entire sales in January. Mm. Maybe we'll see an increase in premium cars because of that. But I mean, you know, this, depending on who you speak to, this is not likely to be in any way resolved till the second half of 2022. And the worst case scenario is 2023. So this is going to have a big impact on car sales throughout next year. Siobhan, does that time frame sound right to you? From what I've been reading and researching on this, it does. I think most of the analysts that I've been reading and including some of the CEOs and CTOs of the big tech companies and indeed the chip fab companies seem to be suggesting that although they're investing now in getting more capacity online, we won't actually see the benefit of that capacity to the end of next year at the earliest and most likely till 2023. Does that sound right? That's exactly what we're hearing, Adrian. And uh, it simply, again, comes back down to uh, somehow trying to figure out how we free up the supply chain. How can we speed it up? And and even if, if we're looking at, at getting some kind of flow back into the system, 2022 is the most likely time when this will happen. I've also heard 2023. So we, we don't even want to think that far ahead. But you look at the likes of, say, Intel, for example, mm. and they're looking at building their own factories in Asia now to try and get some kind of consistent chip pr- uh, production underway. And, th- and so these are the things that companies um, are, are thinking about now. They're going, well, look, we have this massive reliance on others to do this part of our production process for us. Can we do it ourselves? And the answer they've found is that, yes, we can. So um, I, I, when they're giving us a date of 22 or 23, it's purely based on their own predictions and forecasts that this is when they might be able to manufacture it themselves. The lead-in times are curious here, though, to the the layman just listening to this with thinking, what, 18 months? How can it take that long to spin up a factory? And particularly when, as you say, 
many of these would be, for example, in mainland China or Taiwan or um, the southeastern Pacific Ring, Rim, which to us, maybe in our ignorance, we sometimes think of as slightly more authoritarian countries, which for all their downsides, and mostly they mostly are downsides, they usually boast of having the ability to spin things up and make things happen really, really quickly. And yet when we're talking about the semiconductor industry, um, still the same time constraints seem to imply. I, I wonder, is that to do with materials that go into the chips or I wonder what the factors are there. Any thoughts? Can I can I come in just on yeah, that? Sure, I, Geraldine, yeah, sure, Geraldine. Um it appears that one of the big things is that um there's actually very few suppliers who are supplying these exclusive chips. And this is a result of years of consolidation. So from what I can gather, the the supply of chips was in a fairly precarious situation pre-pandemic. So the pandemic has actually just exposed, I suppose, all the weaknesses in it and it has made things worse. And it seems it's incredibly difficult to scale things up quite quickly. What is actually interesting though is Tesla as a car company has actually managed to bypass the entire chip shortage. Now that's down to two things. Number one, they do a lot of production in China. So geographically they've been better placed, but they also use more modern chips and therefore they've been, it's apparently been easier to swap them out. Um, and it's been easier to source them. So there may be lessons to be learned from, you know, from Tesla for other industries and for other companies as to how to bypass this, if it's going to continue till 2023. Yeah. Just, just on Tesla, in terms of using that as a sample, how valid is that? How many cars do Tesla sell, you know, by comparison to the likes of GM or Ford or Volkswagen? Well, I mean, they sell much more smaller volumes, but I think the point is they're actually in profit. They're making money, whereas the rest of the car companies are going to take a huge hit this year because they just can't, They, you know, they're going to produce much fewer cars. So I think even proportionately, if we take out the fact that, yeah, we're looking at big global players, percentage wise, they're still doing better. So somehow Elon Musk wins again. Again. <laughs> again. I saw his value, uh, his personal valuation there had risen to $330 billion last week, way ahead of Jeff Bezos and Bernard Arno and all of the others. Uh, apparently it's taking a hit this week because he tweeted rather foolishly that he would sell 10% of his shares to pay income tax if a Twitter poll said uh, that he should. But he does seem to have a knack of, you know, the 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 world is sinking and he finds a way somehow to, to make money out of it. I think that's because he just has a far more dynamic um, supply chain and dynamic system, whereas car companies, the traditional car companies are very rooted in a very antiquated um, supply chain. And this, again, has been exposed by the um, by the chip shortage crisis. Hmm, yeah. Um, Siobhan, what do you think? Uh, I'm conscious that some of the listeners to this podcast would be uh, very technical, are probably way ahead of us on some of these issues. And others might be listening and thinking, this is literally my last port of call for any kind of a tip to try and source, you know, a PlayStation 5, an iPhone 13 Pro, something that the chip shortage is holding up. Should we be doing things like scouring websites, uh, you know, in the UK? How, how are we going to get our gadgets this Christmas? On, on a, a first come, first served basis, primarily, Adrian. So um, uh, people have been talking about the supply chain for a long time now. And I think anyone kind of keeping an eye, their eye on the prize and what they exactly needed to get in for December probably has that exact item uh, hiding in the back of a cupboard somewhere right now. Um, of course, 
you know, I, I, I wouldn't tell people not to go out there and try and get whatever they need. But, you know, you have to be mindful of the fact that we are very much in short supply of these these big ticket items, you know, these these smartphones. I, I mean, look, look at the new iPhone and how because of the ship, chip shortage, they're holding back a production of iPads at the moment uh, to try and facilitate that demand. So uh, it is good. Just just go out and get it and better. Best of luck mm. trying to, to get your hands yeah. on it. I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound like the Grinch. <laughs> and Geraldine, what would you say about cars? Um, I, I'd have to echo what Siobhan is saying. Be prepared to wait is the bad news. Um, there will be longer delays for some cars than for others. So ask in advance a realistic time frame. But be realistic. If you're, if you're looking for a car in January, it could be May by the time you get it. Oh, my God. I mean, uh, Geraldine, while, while I have you, I've been listening to all of this Uh, chatter, including yourself on other shows, listening to, talking rather, about electric cars and in the context of what we're talking about now. Are they hit any more than conventional diesel or petrol cars? Yeah, they they probably are hit slightly more in the sense that there's more components, there's more chips used in them. But I think, again, we see manufacturers are prioritizing electric cars over regular cars because, again, there's a big demand for them. Car sales are down this year compared to, say, 2019, the last regular year. But electric cars are, you know, the sales are doing really, really well. So, again, we see they're, they're being prioritized. Well, they're not being prioritized enough because I can tell you, as somebody who is considering possibly uh, buying one, I can't find many of them in the market, certainly not ones that have the kind of range and a 70 or 80 kilowatt battery that I'm looking for. There seems to be very few out there. And those that are there tend to cost around 50 grand or more. But anyway, that's a different podcast, possibly. Um, Okay, listen, guys, I think we have uh, explained as much as we can get through at this point on the chip shortage. But uh, I would like to sincerely thank uh, both of you, uh, Siobhan McGuire, consumer journalist and presenter of the Indo Daily podcast and motoring journalist Geraldine Herbert for joining us today. And also gratitude for the archive clips to Reuters, France 24 and Yahoo. But for me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, I'll talk to you the same time next week. Bye bye. Thank you.